So now that we're back in the Gospel of John, let me remind you where we have been. Jesus is on, this is his last night before as he's betrayed. He will go to the cross. And so he's spending time with his disciples, specifically the 11. There were 12. Judas left to go betray Jesus, and he's been spending time with the 11. And they were in the upper room, and now they're on the move. And we've actually seen for a few chapters now in the Gospel of John, Jesus is doing all the talking. This is his longest discourse, and he is teaching them because he's about to leave them. His hour has come, and he's about to leave them. So he's teaching them and teaching them and teaching them. In chapter 15, we talked about he said that he is the vine, the true vine, and we are the branches, and we need to remain in him, abide in him, because apart from him, congregation, help me, we can do nothing. Nothing. And it's true that, yes, we even have a life because he gives it to us, but spiritually speaking, we can do nothing. We can't even live without him, but certainly spiritually. You have to be in Christ. Jesus then switched and kind of explained that when you abide in him, there's going to be this great love that's going to come out of you. And he commands us to love one another as he has loved us. And he's shown us his love, not only, of course, when he washes the disciples' feet and makes himself a servant, but he shows his ultimate love for us on the cross, which is coming. But he tells us to love one another. And then he switches in chapter 15, which we talked about a few weeks ago. And he started to talk about how the world is going to hate you. It has to because the world hates God. Because the world does not know God. And so what he said was, they don't, the world doesn't know God, so they've hated God, they've hated Jesus, and so if you're a follower of Jesus, they're going to hate you too. You're not greater than your master. And we talked about looking at our lives saying, does my life look any different than the world's? Do I look exactly the same? Are my discussions in every realm, whether that's family, my views on marriage and the way it should look, raising kids, politics, anything, do I look exactly like the world? And if I do, why do I? If we're supposed to be distinct and separate, look different in such a way that the world doesn't like it, then we should look different. He then encouraged them at the end of chapter 15 I'm telling you these things so that when the persecution comes, when the world hates you, that you will not fall away. So he tells us ahead of time. He also wanted us to be ready for it and remember the things that he said. And we looked at a couple passages that actually says that to suffer for Jesus, to be persecuted for righteousness' sake, to suffer for his name is actually a blessing. It's a blessing because it means you're being faithful. So we got into the beginning of chapter 16, and that's what he said to them. And that's where we are today. You caught up? Remember where we've been? You awake? All right, we're going to read through the passage. You read silently along with me. I'm going to start in verse 4. We did half of verse 4 a few weeks ago. I'm going to start in verse 4, and I'll read through the text. You follow along quietly, and we will see what the Lord has to say to us. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because 
I have said these things to you. Sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. All that the... All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Jesus continues on in this section. And again, we have not heard from the disciples for quite a while. Usually they're interrupting with a bunch of questions. They're saying different things. Usually, most of the time, getting things wrong, which is an encouragement to us because we get things wrong all the time. Amen? Amen. If you didn't say amen, then I guess you don't get things wrong. But the rest of us do. So we get things wrong. It's an encouragement. But we haven't heard from them. They're not saying much right now. And that seems to be because the heaviness of what Jesus is saying. He's, he's switched. He's saying, I'm leaving soon. They're a little worried about that. And then he says, oh yeah, and by the way, the world's going to hate you and persecution is coming. And then they've gotten real silent. As most of us do. So he says starting in the second half of verse 4. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. So he starts off saying, I wasn't talking about this persecution and this hatred that you were going to receive from the beginning as I've been with you. Talking to his disciples. I didn't talk about that all the time because I was with you. I was the shock absorber. I was there to take it. They were hating me. You're just following me around. But he's warning them because what he's saying is, I'm leaving soon. And when he goes, it's a little harder to hate him in particular. Now, they still do, but they hate his body. They hate the church. They hate his followers. So, he's saying, I didn't say these things before, but I'm about to go. So now I'm telling you. Verse 5. But now I am going to him who sent me. Again, the son sent from the father. And none of you asks me, where are you going? Now, some of you who've been here for a little bit have read through John, you go, wait a minute, they did ask that question, right? How many of you were thinking that? Yeah, yeah, good, yeah, I could tell. (laughs) Flip back to uh, John chapter 13. John chapter, it should just be one page in most of your Bibles. Flip back. In verse 36 in particular. You'll remember that he gave them a new commandment again, that re, just reemphasizing this love for one another. And then Peter stepped on the scene. And we talked about Peter and how man, many of us identify with Peter a lot. In verse 36, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus just said, you guys aren't asking me where you're going. Or where I'm going, rather. But again, remember, this has been a long gap. What Jesus is doing here is they were quick to ask where he was going. They were quick to ask a lot of questions. 
But as the subject has gotten deeper, as the persecution is coming, as the hatred is coming, they're no longer worried about that. They're silent. What do you think they're thinking about? Themselves. He's making a point here, saying you were all concerned about those things before, but now you're focused on yourselves. Flip back over to the text. Verse 6, he says, But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Do you see? The persecutions, the hatred of the world, they begin to focus on themselves. And brothers and sisters, hear me clearly. The more we focus on ourselves and our problems and our issues, the more sorrow you will have in your heart. That's not where we're supposed to be. I have a a photo, I think, that we're going to try to put up on the screen. Man's in either pain or... That's not me, by the way. Pain, suffering, sorrow. He's crying, seemingly. And we zoom in. We see, man, this is bad. Can you go to the next photo, please? Can you see what's in his arms? He just got home. Those are tears. Yeah, there's some pain that's in there a little bit from that he's been gone. But there is great joy right there. Brothers and sisters, listen carefully to me. We have to pan back from focusing on ourselves to see what's truly happening. We've got to pan out to see the whole picture. Brothers and sisters, the only way we do that is we've got to get a perspective that's different than our own. You know where that is? This gives us the perspective. This is what shows us what's really happening. Yes, we hone in on our lives and we have these situations, these things are happening, and we are struggling and we're sad and we're crying. But if we will read Scripture, trust truth, and pan back, we will see that even our sufferings, God is using to strengthen our faith. Our sufferings He is using for your good and His glory. That is a promise. We have to be careful not to focus too much on ourselves and we need to pan back and see that your king is on the throne and he's working. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's continue on. Back into the John 16 passage. The sorrow has filled their heart because they have honed in on themselves. Verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Just so you know, he always speaks the truth. Sometimes we don't like it, but he always speaks the truth. I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. I feel like you're wrong on that, Jesus. Right? We're walking around with Jesus. Think about if you're in that position. He's talking to the disciples, of course. We're hanging out with Jesus, eating meals with Jesus, praying with Jesus. He's doing miracles. Man, this is cool. And he says, I'm leaving. That's not cool. Where are you going? Can we come with you? And he says, no, you can't. But you can wait here. You can love one another and persecution and hatred is going to come for you. Hmm. And, he start, and we start thinking about ourselves. And he says, listen, let me encourage you with something. It's better that I go away. That doesn't make any sense to us unless there's more to the story. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Who's the helper? 
Yes, A plus. Good. So, Holy Spirit's the helper. Now, that doesn't mean the Holy Spirit hasn't been on earth and working. He has. But He's going to come in a new way. He's going to come in a new way to where He's going to live inside of believers. That's part of the passages that we read this morning from the Old Testament. Those were promises from the Old Testament. Remove that heart of stone, heart of flesh. Holy Spirit lives inside of you. What's better? Jesus, who is limited on where He could go, being with some people, or God living inside of you? Answer? God living inside of you, right? To have the very presence of God living inside of us, what He's saying is, it's better for you. Now, some would ask, well, couldn't He just done that while He was still here? Why couldn't Jesus' estate and the Holy Spirit been inside of us? The role of the Holy Spirit throughout Scripture, as Brother Roy was sharing, to reveal the face of God. We know that. But, specifically, He's supposed to bring glory to the Son. Well, the Son has a job to do first. Before He's going to come and live inside of us and, and lead us and guide us, He has to come after Jesus dies on the cross for our sins. After three days, Jesus then does what? Resurrects. Then He's around and then He goes to the right hand of the Father. Those things need to happen because that's where the glory of God is. That's where the glory of Christ is. In the Gospel. So those things needed to happen so that then the Holy Spirit would come, live inside of us, and we could glorify God by speaking about the Gospel. Living in light of the Gospel. Sharing the Gospel. So it's to their advantage, the disciples, and it's to our advantage that we have the helper, which, that's a nice word. How many of you need help from time to time? How many of you are too proud to say that you need help from time to time? (laughs) We all need help. We all need help from time to time. And if you're not willing to say to people, I need help, then ultimately there's a pride issue going on. I love you, but there's a pride issue. We all need help. None of us are God. We need help from time to time. And so God is saying, I will give you the Spirit, my Holy Spirit, to live inside of you. So it's to our advantage. Verse 8. Now we get to hear a little bit about what the Helper, the Holy Spirit, what He's going to do when He comes in this unique way. He will convict the world, expose the world, make judgment on the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. He lists these three things, sin, righteousness, and judgment. Now remember, as he's coming, this is in conjunction with Jesus' death, sacrificial death on the cross, his resurrection, and his ascension. It's in conjunction with those things. So, what is he doing with the world? How is he convicting the world? How is he exposing the world? How is he making judgment on the world concerning these three areas? Jesus goes on to explain it. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Here's what the Spirit's doing. He's coming to the world and he's saying, you're guilty. Jesus wasn't. By the Holy Spirit coming, that means what Jesus did appeased the wrath of God. And it means that it was the right thing. So Jesus then goes to the right hand of the Father and here's what the Spirit's coming in convicting the world, saying, you're guilty. Jesus wasn't. Jesus is righteous. That's why death couldn't hold him. That's why he's gone to the right hand of the Father. Guess what? You're not. And if you try to live a righteous life apart from the Spirit of God, you won't be able to because the source is bad. It goes back to that heart of stone idea. You're not righteous on your own. In fact, Paul talks about this in the book of Romans. He says, oh yeah, your righteousness, those those good works you think you do, 
They're like filthy rags. They're trash before a holy God. We need the righteousness of Jesus. And then when he talks about the judgment, the ruler of this world, meaning Satan, on the cross, Satan was defeated. Now he's got the head chopped off and he's wiggling around doing whatever he can. The world follows Satan. Judgment on them. If you are not in Christ, guess what? There's two camps, guys. Let's see. There were more pens missing from this side than this morning. So here, you guys, for example, would be the world. You guys. Amen. The kingdom. And there's a, there's, a, there's a little bit less over here, and so the, the, the path is narrow. So kingdom here, world here. Followers of Jesus here. Followers of Satan here. Living for the glory of God, living for the glory of yourselves. Children of God adopted into his family, enemies of God. The scriptures couldn't be more clear. The world is against God. When the Spirit comes, he makes a judgment saying, world, you are evil. World, you are not following God. World, you hate God. Those who trust in him, not because we're better. Is the reason that we're Christians on this side, is it because we're better than them? No, and if you think that, then you don't understand. You should go on that side. It's grace. It's the grace of God who has shown us that we need a Savior, and we've believed. And our job is to tell those guys, hey, we love grace. We're not better than you. You need grace. Come join us. You need grace. One pastor said it like this. We've talked about it in men's study. Christians in the gospel, it's beggars telling other beggars where we got the bread. That's all it is. Saying, there's somebody over there that gives bread, and he gives it for free, and it fills you up, and you'll never be hungry again. And he doesn't make you do a dance. He doesn't make you do work. He gives it to you because he loves you. Go get some bread. By no means will we ever wave it in front of their faces like we're something special. But shame on us if we don't even tell anybody where the bread's at. So the Spirit comes to convict the world concerning these areas. Verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Do you see the gentleness of Jesus? Do you see that? There's more things, but he knows their hearts. He knows that they're struggling, and he has more things he would say to them, but he says, you can't bear it right now. It's not time. So right now, if you don't have an answer to a question, you don't understand what's going on, let me encourage you that maybe you can't bear what's going on right now. Maybe God has not told you yet because you can't bear it. But... To be ready for that, we have the next couple verses. If you can't bear it, here's what you need. You need the Holy Spirit. You need Him to live inside of you because, verse 13, when the Spirit of truth comes, another word for the helper, another word for the Holy Spirit, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all lies. Good, just trying to see if you're sleeping out there. Good, He will guide you in all truth. Because look what He does. 
This, this language, for those of you who have been going through John with us, you're going to hear it sounds like Jesus is talking about Himself and the Father. Listen. He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will declare to you the things that are to come. What did Jesus come to do? He comes to declare the things of the Father. I'm not saying what I'm saying. I'm saying what the Father has said. The Spirit's going to come. He's going to say what Jesus said. That's what the Father has said. Do you see the unity of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit? Verse 14. He will glorify Me. Jesus is talking. The Holy Spirit will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. How does the Holy Spirit glorify Jesus? He takes what's Jesus's truth, the Gospel, and He declares it to the disciples. He declares it to us. That's how He glorifies Him. How does Jesus glorify the Father? He takes the truth, He speaks the truth, He speaks what the Father says, and He declares it to everybody. How do we glorify God? Ashton was talking about this today. He said it blew him away. Hey, we know how to give glory to God based upon this passage. The Spirit declares the things of Christ. That glorifies Him. Christ declares the things of God. That glorifies Him. What are we to do? We're to declare the things of God, and that glorifies Him. But brothers and sisters, so many times we're just sitting around with our mouths shut. We're not telling people of the great things that our God has done. We don't tell people about how great He is. Now some of you are doing this, and keep doing it. Let's keep pressing on. Here's the last thing. The first was, we have sorrow instead of joy. Why? Because we're zoomed in too close. We need to pan back through Scripture and see what God is doing. The Holy Spirit, we need to trust in Him as He is working in our hearts and in this world. But realize this, it's the Spirit who guides us in truth. So, here's what happens. We're sorrowful, There's too much for us to handle. Our hearts are heavy. A lot's going on. What do we do? In step with the Spirit, we go to the truth. We look at the Scriptures. Okay? Sorrowful, heavy, things are too much. We're focused on ourselves. We go through the Holy Spirit. We look at the Scriptures. We look at truth. He leads us and guides us in all truth. We then pan back. We see the glory of God. We see what He's doing. We see this amazing thing. What that then does is it gives us great joy. The next section we're about to see is how our sorrow can turn into joy. We'll see that next week. So if you are heavy-hearted, if things are going on, you need to allow the Spirit to lead you into the truth so you can pan back, see what's happening, and give glory to God, and then make sure that we're telling others about His great work, about His gospel, that then gives Him more glory. And this is the process over and over and over. Amen? All right. We're going to pray now, and I want to invite you that after the prayer time, the, the worship team, we're going to ha- sing a song in response. Here's the way you respond. If you're a non-believer, if you're not walking in truth, you don't abide in truth, you don't believe in Jesus really, you can do that now. You can cry out to him. You can come forward and make that pronouncement. We can pray with you up here. Pastor Doug will come up too, and we'll be up here. If you're a believer or not, and you have a lot going on right now and you just need some prayer, we would love to pray with you during the song. Ask God to work in your heart in great ways. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your grace. We do thank you that, Lord, that you you give us your word so that we don't stay focused on ourselves and zoomed in all the time, but that we can pan back and see what you're really doing. And even though we don't always fully understand it, 
Lord, if by Your Spirit we seek Your truth, You do promise that we will have joy. So help us by Your Spirit to do that. Help us to declare the work of the Holy Spirit, the work of Christ, the work of You, Father, to this world that are lost and they do not know You. And as other pastors have said, it, one of the, the scariest things is to be lost. What's even worse is to be lost and no one's even looking for You. Lord, we know that You pursue us and we are thankful for that. Lord, help us to have a heart to pursue people for Your glory. Help us to share. Help us to love one another. Lord, speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen.